Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. Hello and welcome to episode 85. We're really churning through them inside the ropes, coming to you live from the Grange Golf Club in beautiful Adelaide, South Australia. I'm Mark Hayes, joined as ever by Martin Blake. Welcome, Blakey. G'day, Hayes. Is this a first live from the uh, Women's Open? Did it we is. do this last uh, year? I don't think so. No, I don't think we did. Maybe at the end or something? No, no. This is this, we're a lot of firsts on inside the ropes. and we've It's got good. A, it's one of my favourite weeks. I oh, say. there's no doubt about yeah. that. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but we are absolutely thrilled. I was sort of, you know, happy to have Blakey on my left, but I'm absolutely thrilled with our guest host. Can we give you that title? Kate Burton, welcome along. Well, what a pleasure to be here. I just feel a little bit sad that I don't have a nickname that ends in Y. Because every time I come down to Australia, obviously I'm with Hazy and Blakey. And what I mean, you? I could be Katie, but that's not really my name. No. KB is just, it's not as good. You guys add a Y to everything. What a, can we workshop this as we speak to you today? You certainly can. Well, we'll start with Birdo. Birdo. I'm, I'm called Birdo a lot. I was called Whitey a lot in college when I was in America because I was yeah. very pale with white hair. I'm not sure quite how I like that one. Whitey, Birdo. Oh, no, Birdo. 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 Yeah. So well, down that was under. pretty good. We'll, it was, that was very good. So Kate Burton's a voice that many golf fans are very familiar with. She's been a long-time visitor to Australia. And again, heading up, or part of, I should say. I'm not sure if you're heading it up. I really don't know. Are you heading up the ABC television coverage this week? Well, should we say so? Why not? Yeah, why not? Yes. No, I'm delighted to be part of the commentary team. So, so I'll that's... be with Jane Crafter and Quentin Hull. And then Annabelle Rowley is going to be on the fairways as well. Nice. And Steph Brantz, of course, will be taking charge. Well, now you're Chief Birdo. So we're working, <laughs> we're working up a nickname pretty nicely here, I'd say. Anyway, welcome along. Um, we're thrilled to have you here. Um, you've got already got research that Blakey and I haven't brought, or I certainly haven't, so we've promised a very uh, laissez-faire style podcast here, but it, how good is it to be back in Australia for you and to a tournament that's really grown in stature over the previous few years? It is wonderful. It is one of my very favourite golf tournaments that I cover all year. This will be my ninth year of covering the wow. Australian Women's Open. It is the only uh, only media centre that serve pies. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the day, you can get a glass of white wine. So those are two particular reasons why I like this tournament. Uh, but also, it unearths a different champion. You know, apart from Yanni saying we haven't had back-to-back champions at the Australian Open. No, Kari had a stranglehold mm-hmm. on the event, and you get to play. Wow, how magical is this golf course? Mm, looks superb, doesn't it? it. We, yeah, we were back. We were here in 2016. Uh, for those who are keeping tabs on their history of the ISPS and the Women's Australian Open. The preparation time for that was limited because the it was only announced late in the year, and I know that the people here at the Grange were really keen to put a, 
uh, not that it wasn't good in 2016, it was exemplary, but an even better face to the world in 2019. And I, I just finished walking around the course now. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. It is mint. Yeah. There's and not uh, a blade of grass out of place, Blakey. We say that a bit, but it really is pretty special. So it's the West Coast, uh, you know, redesigned a few years ago by, by Michael Clayton, our colleague on Inside the Ropes. Uh, it's got orange bunkers, hasn't it? It's got a kind of distinctive uh, bunkering. Um, look, I just think it's a terrific course. And I think just Adelaide generally, this uh, the Women's Open coming here four years ago to Grange and then to Keonga, then to Royal Adelaide and now back, it showcases these courses because they are actually under undersold and under-marketed, I think. So we hadn't played. Uh, there were, Kate, there were a couple of web.com tour, then nationwide tour events in, in South Australia um, around the turn of the century and a bit later on, probably up into the, the noughties, into the mid-noughties. Uh, but there hadn't been a, a grand-scale tournament, LPGA Tour, bigger than uh, that on the men's side, since the 1994 Women's Australian Open when it was reinstated at Royal Adelaide until we came back here. So this, to us, was sort of a, you know, a, an unexposed jewel, if you will. Um, no one had really seen these courses in this generation. Obviously, there'd been generations before who had, but... Do you think that Adelaide, the, the Adelaide sand belt in inverted commas, is, is taken off around the world in people's uh, estimations? Uh, most definitely. I know the players, for a start, love coming down here. Um, they're quality golf courses. They remind me a lot of where I'm from uh, in England. I'm a member of St George's Hill. Uh, it doesn't run quite as much as it does uh, down here, but um, I think they are excellent golf courses. When we had the chance to play at Royal Melbourne in 2015, mm. I mean, the players were positively gaga about it the year that Lydia Co won they're just uh, classy they are an absolute pleasure to play on and always as you say presented in great condition I popped into the pro shop about half an hour ago to borrow a set of clubs because I'm going to tear it up in the pro-am tomorrow nice. oh my poor pro-am partners <laughs> I do feel sorry for them uh, but the boys were saying who obviously know the golf course are saying as with that setup and more time the rough is going to be a bit more of a challenge this year the boys right. were saying uh, they've had a chance to grow it. but uh, it's been so hot here yeah, how really has anybody has. had a chance to play any golf what mm. did the temperatures get up to did you check the temperature in Adelaide a couple of weeks ago? I did. I, I don't know why I've got my grey jumper with me, but uh, it was baking. Yeah, 47 Mid degrees. 40s. Yeah, yeah, 47 was a record for mm. Adelaide, the, high, uh, the hottest day in Adelaide history about two, two and a half weeks ago. Have you guys played in those conditions? Did you play that day? No. no. I, I actually played the next day when it came across to Victoria, uh, and it was 43.4 where I was playing. It's it's sort of unbearable, but hopefully we don't get back to that. There's no way that the forecast at the moment allows us to get there. We're sort of um, heading towards 35, I believe, on Sunday, but it's next level from 35 to 47. I mean, that's that's just craziness anyway. Before we go too much further talking about the tournament, I don't know about you, Blakey. I want to learn a little bit more about Kate Burton. Oh, no. A little profile? Yeah. Why, what, what I can thought we, she was oh, a household giving... name in my eyes. <laughs> well, she, she is. Have you been drinking already, Blakey? <laughs> Blakey's got access to pen folds here, Kate. Oh, it's well, really... I'm hanging out with you this week then. <laughs> it's One dangerous. of the great there's... things about coming to Adelaide, if I oh. was running Golf Australia, we'd always be in Adelaide every week. Because <laughs> South Australian wine is the best in the world. Well, yeah. pretty much. And Maybe French is pretty good, but isn't too far from here. No, it's no, okay. up at McGill, uh, the main, the original winery is up at McGill. There, one of my good mates from growing up at school, uh, 
works there, so you know he helps me out a little bit there. And does he provide you additional keyboards should things go awry with a glass <laughs> Kate, late in the evening? Kate, I, uh, Hazy and I have an in joke about my <laughs> my ability to destroy keyboards with with red wine. I, I, I've, I've done about three. Uh, to, you say more, don't you? Well, I've seen I've seen three, and there has to be more. It's just that you know, under the pressure of deadline writing at the end of the day, and you sort of take a glass of wine to assist with with the preparation of the article, and then just to tip it in the and the keyboards don't like it. They, they don't like it at all. Anyway, What's wrong yeah. with those keyboards? Yeah. You need no. one of those iPads, don't you? I think you pour everything mm. over those these days. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about your golfing career, Kate, because you have been a voice that we've all listened to for quite a while now. I'm sorry to say that, but that's just a fact of the Amazing, life. considering I'm only in my early 20s. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why wasn't that funny? We're, do- uh. we're doing radio podcasts here, clearly. Um, gee, I don't know what you're getting at there, Blake. Well, well the, um, that statement by... Ke- yeah, okay. That, <laughs> yeah, just, just pull up there, mate. You're yeah. get yourself, I'm just burying space. myself here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, you're based these days in Singapore, I, I believe? Am. Yes, yes. And before, I've been in Singapore for nearly um, 20 years now, wow. so a long time. Uh, before that, I grew up in England and uh, I played for England many moons ago. And I then went on to America, where I did a golf scholarship at Florida State University, at the same university that Karen Stupples went to. So yeah. we were college mates at the same time. We played on the same team. Who's now a commentator. Who is a commentator. Yeah. She went on to win a major and another LPGA event. Uh, I didn't. I decided to talk about golf instead. I was going to turn pro uh, after I finished college golf. I saw plus two at the time playing for England, but the state of the women's tour, sadly on the ladies' European tour, meant I would have been playing less golf as a professional. Mm. There were about 15 events at the time, not a great deal of prize money, Mm. and I was fortunate and honoured enough to be playing for England. I'd end up playing more golf uh, Mm. as an amateur, so I elected to go down that route, enjoyed my golf enormously, and then thought, hang on. I do need to start earning a bit of money. <laughs> so I moved into radio, primarily in Hong Kong, and then uh, now television. Uh, and now podcast. This is my first ever appearance. Uh, are you serious? Debut. Uh, debut. Debut. Down here. Sorry. <laughs> debut. I love you Australians. Um, yes, this is my first ever podcast. So wow. thank you very much for inviting me on. So yes, yeah, so I cover the men's women's tour, uh, ladies European tour, LPGA, to a couple of men's events as well. Yeah. So very pleased to be uh, the uh, lead commentator last year in the Perth Super Sixes with the boys. That's right. Yes. Yeah, that was great. Enjoyed that. And... Asia is becoming clearly not the hub of golf, but there are a lot more significant events in your neck of the woods now, isn't there, Mm. than there had been? Oh, enormously, yeah. I think there's nine, is there, this year on the LPGA Tour, which continues to go for strength to strength. This is the first of three tournaments we have. Go to Thailand next week and then to Singapore. Do you want to come along, Oh, we would love to. Just another week of... What we've been going through, Asa, we're yeah. already going back to back, which is tough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so three events in Asia, and then you have a, a swing of events uh, in the fall or the autumn, uh, and then that culminates in the, mm. their final event. So, it's great. I mean, this is where most of the best golfers hail from Asia on yeah. the LPGA Tour, the world number one, Aero de Tanagan, and, you know, there's regularly four or five in the top ten that are from Asia. So. And are you as passionate about the game now as you were when you were in college or when before? 
in England before you went to college? Yeah, I love it. And I think it's getting even better now. Uh, I mean, I love it because I'm not playing so much, so I don't get so frustrated by the game. That was, uh, I used to tear my hair out. Uh, no, I'm just so impressed at just how the depth of field on tour, you know, I know we're going to talk about the LPJ a little bit later on, but have 26 different winners last year. Yeah. That's what makes it exciting. What um, do, and what, what, what do you tour, play off? Really? You keep, you keep <laughs> diverting away from Kate Burton here. <laughs> what do you play off these days? Well, my official handicap is two. Yep. What I play off is a totally different story. I play about three rounds a year. Okay. And Blake, you would know how tricky it is trying to maintain it. What are you off these days? Uh, uh, I must be off plus three or something. <laughs> are you off plus three? What are you, what are you for the back line? Plus 13. <laughs> no, I'm off 13. Are you? Um, and golf is tricky to me. Always tricky. Short game goes. <laughs> but you're still, you're still as passionate as ever. Absolutely. Um where do you foresee, you've, you've seen some, I guess, radical changes in the way television golf is presented mm-hmm. uh, in, your, in your short times, yes. in your early 20s. What do you foresee the, diff- the future to hold and what's the next stage we, we're taking that to? It's evolving yeah. hey, and it's heading in the right direction. It needs more of it. Uh, last week, a great example of where the game should head more of, uh, you know, the, um, the, the Victorian Open, ISPS Victorian Open, to have both the men and the women teeing it up for the same prize money mm. on the same golf course. Uh, there were still changes I'd like to see. A couple of things irritated me about the event uh, last week. But what um, it's more of what I would like to see. Go. Knock <laughs> them out. I'm not even going to ask you a question. What, what, what would you like to see changed? Because you obviously watched it, but... You weren't involved in the, you know, no, in, I wasn't in the presentation, so it's an objective no. opinion. Oh, no, and um, the tournament delivered. I just felt frustrated that this was an, a wonderful opportunity for the women to showcase themselves on the men's stage, that there weren't more LPGA players there. Mm. Four out of the top 50. Um, this is a great chance for them. When you look at the disparity between men's and women's golf, if you look, I was reading and just saw the difference in prize money. When Charlie Hull won in Abu Dhabi a few weeks ago on the Ladies' European Tour, Shane Lowry won in Abu Dhabi a few weeks ago. How many more times was the prize money for Shane Lowry over Charlie Hull? Have a guess. Uh, ten times. Uh, oh, I was going to say like five, but no. 38 times higher. Oh, wow. So, is that uh, right? Area Jatanagan led the money list on the LPGA last year mm. 2.7 million. She won three tournaments, and a, including a major. Mm. Um, and where would you need to, Hazy? We should have done this research, but t- to get to 2.7 million in the men's PGA Tour money list, you'd be down at, I don't know, I'm going to say. 100? Maybe. Uh no, I think the 125th player, which is the one that, you know, it's obviously on points now, but they traditionally have earned 750 to 800,000 for mm. the last seven or eight years. It's, I mean, traditionally, there's mm. no traditions there. But, yeah, it's a vast difference. Um, you know, you could be a nondescript player on the PGA Tour and, and pocket like two, $2 million. Dollars. Mm. I mean, mm. Area had a year for the ages yeah. last year, didn't she? Yeah. She did, but, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, don't get me wrong on this. The men have a bigger stage. People, let's look at the commercial value of going to a men's the television rights. Yeah, um, mm. more people at the moment want to watch men's golf. Mm. More people are impressed by men's golf. That's why it generates more money into it. That's just the economics. But that's not to say that the women can't keep on evolving. And given that they had this opportunity last week, I thought it was a real shame that really 
might want, as the commissioner um, didn't hammer it home, that I know this has come up last minute and that a lot of players have committed and dedicated their and allocated their schedules. Well, that, that's the excuse that was given, yes. uh, that it was, wasn't decided until November, uh, that October, it was late be, October. Uh, October, that they're going to be LPGA, but really, how much prep, you know, how much time do you want uh, I, to, to know, you know? I agree with, it, with your sentiment on that, but I, can I put another question to you? So, Blakey and I did the, the corresponding uh, podcast to this last week, and we talked about that very thing with Alison Whitaker, who um, isn't with us this week. She's over at the World Super Six in Perth. Um, oh, God love her. Yeah, she's oh, a beauty, Ali. She's a she's legend. She's a beauty. Uh, she actually, I asked her the same question about, you know, are you disappointed, basically, that there weren't more of the big name in inverted commas players coming down to 13th Beach? And her response was, well, you know, Yes, but it should be uh, not only a female-driven thing. We should have more of the top men players too. You know, yes. they have the capacity to choose an event <clears throat> not based on money. The women often will go to a very, uh, you know, a place around the world of their choosing because more money's on offer. The men have the luxury. We could, you know, I don't want to pin any particular person down. But let's just pick Jason Day for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could come down and throw his weight behind it. It would be immense. He could, but the men have already established themselves. They, yeah, but could they could they do the right thing well, by the game? Most certainly, but they are golfers, and the men they, the men didn't have anything to prove. This was another event for them. They already play for a lot of money week in week out, as they do on the LPGA. But women are after they are keen to play more events with the men because that's where it should head anyway look at modern sport look at tennis they're all played in conjunction with each other off the very successful australian open for the women it was a bigger opportunity for them that i feel that they squandered and it was it was just a great shame that they didn't seize it by both uh, by both hands and say right this is what i need to do and, and the bigger picture look beyond what my own schedule make, is make a statement exactly and I do feel that it was missed. Maybe they'll really get readdressed ne- readdress next year. I think it will. I Kate, think they will, Kate, though, Kate, after Kate the success m- of last mm. week. And those are going, well, the oh, players, the mistake. LPGA players that have never been to 13th Beach, they've gone down there, they've seen what it's like, and they're going to go back and talk to their colleagues, aren't mm. they? Kate's really warming to this podcast, Tim <laughs> Blakey. Can't stop her. No, she's pushing off the fence off the long run, and we're going we're gonna to wind her up and have another crack here. Oh, is there a fence we're supposed to sit on here? <laughs> no, there's no splinters in this program, Kate. There's no fence sitting. I need to ask you uh, about another change in the in the world of golf this year. 2019's been the start of a new era in the rules of golf. Have there been any? There's been a lot of controversy about several different things. Has there been one that's caught your eye? In the first few weeks, or or are you just happy to let it roll along? I'm really looking forward to this season and the new rules. Um, One that I thought was going to be a huge problem for uh, the women players uh, that's actually affected the men more so now. I know it's the early start of the season, and we haven't really seen many of the LPGA players in action, is this whole players being lined up by their caddies. Mm. Now... uh, I've always called you Martin. I'm going to call you, you Blakey can call now. Me Martin. I'm going to get Blakey. Okay. Uh, Lee Haltong uh, and then uh, Denny McCarthy last week uh, on the PGA Tour, both getting penalised. I know Denny McCarthy, you know, his um, penalty was rescinded. Hmm. But yeah. I wasn't expecting that to happen on the men's tour. Now, why is it happening there? Because generally, men are not lined up. No. I do not like seeing players lined up. If you're no. the world's number one player, no. you shouldn't be lined up over a three-foot part or standing on the no. tee. 
it's a crutch that the women use I think to get comfortable it's all part of their pre-shot routine men are too bold and you mm. know confident to rely on their caddy in that way that's where I think there is a difference between men and women so what do you think's happening in the locker room here at the Grange now with, with the, between the caddies and their players a lot of them are playing their first tournament for the year uh, and they've seen what's happened there and they've read what the authorities have put out about the rules, which Hazy read out on, on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, which relates to when the player starts to create his or her stance, if the caddy is behind them, they will be penalised, basically. Um, I, I wonder, th- they must be talking about it. It's a big talking point. Yeah, They have to be, because mm. so many players on the LPGA Tour are lined up, and I think it's going to I hope upset. I hope we don't have a, a big problem with this. No. Oh, Definitely. So one of the things I like about your golf commentary, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting next to me, is that you are a player-informed reporter, commentator. You've got your finger on the pulse. You spend a lot of time pre-tournaments and between tournaments talking to players. Have they been discussing this that you're aware of? To be honest, I've only just uh, arrived yesterday here. Oh, so I've just pa- talked you up. To talked you up. Throw me under the bus on that she's one. She's been right out <laughs> under the wineries. That's where she's been. I, I could tell you a lot more by the end of this week. So yeah. this is my first LPGA event. I caught up with the Jatanagans last night. I caught up with a couple of other players this morning at breakfast, but I didn't go hard in. So how about that new the rule? rule. No. But it will be something I would be able to talk about in more detail come Sunday, mm. and also just watching the players this week more. You're right. Diamond well, Resorts, uh, nothing happened. The first LPGA yeah. event. Well, there was no no issue at all. But maybe that's because there weren't as many television cameras mm. out watching the players because are the players going to get penalised by their fellow players? I doubt it because the players are so focused on what they're doing anyway. They're not going to go, mm. oh, no, no, I saw your caddy trying to line you up there. Everybody's got their own game to play. And there's a lot of love in the girls' locker room. I mean, there's a lot of good friends. It's the LPG. It's the yeah. LPG. Yeah, yeah, of course there is. You don't want to dob on the other player. And that is not that players want to dob on each other anyway. So... It will be interesting. We've got a meeting tomorrow with uh, the rules officials. So it, there it TV will be. crew has? Yes, yeah. At the beginning of each week, we have a meeting with the rules officials just to go through everything. I think we're gonna, it's going to be like a three-hour meeting, this one. There's so many. <laughs> How uh, do you feel about the little knee drop? Yes, isn't it It strange? looks really weird. It doesn't look that... Um, there's no good position, is there? It's, not, it's, do you it's very awkward. Do you bend over? <laughs> It's very awkward, and uh, have you seen the video that's out on the social media at the moment of a, uh, I think it's a US Tour player um, patting down some spike marks, but he's oh. he's kind of, well, he appears to be creating a channel between the ball and the hole. Yes. Really? That's what it looks like. Wow, I've not seen uh, that. It does not look good. <laughs> I don't believe he was penalised for it, but, you know, you're allowed to you're allowed to repair anything on the green now. The, the only trouble is he's repairing about three or four things in a kind of a line, yeah. It's, oh. it's uh, yeah, there's, there's some interesting issues that it's created, yeah. Spike marks, which you bring up. Mm. We, at the end of the uh, season in 2018, I did talk to a lot of players about what rule are they particularly looking forward to in 2019. That was number one by a long oh. shot. Mm. Everybody was very happy about the new rule where you, where you can tap down spike marks. Yeah. Takes away a bit of grey area from the old days. It does, and also if you're teeing up in the afternoon yeah. and you've got 144 players and you're teeing up at 1 o'clock and you're on the 16th, you know, coming down the back nine, then you've got to be 
pretty hacked off when you have got a three foot putt and you see a couple of bobbles and you can't do anything mm. about it. Mm. So I think that's a very good rule. My concern was they're just going to be you know, tapping away all day long yeah. and it was going to yeah. slow down play. Yeah. We don't have the good fortune to have Kate sitting in for the entire podcast, Blakey, so we better mm. okay. push towards the tournament specifically here because mm. we're here for the ISPS Hander Women's Australian Open. It's the uh, 10th successive edition. That's the ISPS Hander, which is quite remarkable within itself and that should, uh, you know, appease... Uh, my producer here in the background is giving me a nod, giving me the thumbs up. That I've mentioned ISPS Hander for the 16th time so far in this podcast. Gosh, you're good at this. Um, I could work to it. <laughs> what do you think we're going to see here? We're going to see a, a heap of, in my opinion, a heap of Australian women who are desperate to win the national championship. We're going to see some foreign women, for loose use of a better term, sorry for that, international visitors who are not quite ready for the peak of their season. We're also going to see some who came down and practiced, in inverted commas, at the Vic Open last week. It's all going to be a bit of a mishmash until we get to the weekend, isn't it? Mm, it will be. Uh, you've got 144 players. The cream always does tend to rise to the top. But then you look at the previous winners here. You had Lydia Ko in 2015. Last year, it was Jin Young Ko. Then you had Haru Nomura and Hana Jang. So they're not you know the the big names in golf as such and when Haru Nomura won here three years ago it was her first win I think yeah her Mm. first win and she romped home she had seven Mm. under in the final round so I think it'd be interesting area is playing it's it's hard to look beyond her and I know you look at me going oh great you're really sitting on the fence with that prediction because she's the (laughs) world number one (laughs) world number one how long did it take you to work that out It'd be Hazy. interesting. Birdo. Yeah. Hey. Hazy. <laughs> <laughs> we need you to lift it a little bit there. Okay. The insight that she's brought. Well, oh, that's brilliant, amazing. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. All this research. She's got reams of paper here sitting on the desk. Everyone is listening. And she's come up with the world number one. It's what quite do you, Tell me what you make of Jatana Garn. Aria, I mean. Aria. Um, I think she could be some even better if she would use her driver. Mm. So I've done some research yes. on this. And... We all say that she doesn't take a driver, doesn't have one in her bag. She's got one. She has. She's got a Callaway driver. Uh, and she, I believe, used it at the Tournament of Champions. Was that in Florida? Uh, I don't really know what happened with it. I didn't watch any of that tournament. But she was practising at Lake Nona with it in January. And there's a 356-yard par four, and she put it on the green. <gasps> Seriously? 356 Yeah, maybe yard. it was a bit down yard, downhill or yeah, something. She I definitely did it. No. Yeah. It's kind of Cameron Champ distances. Who mm. did your research? <laughs> That's what we're here for. Yeah, where are your notes? Hazy? It's because I've. It's because <laughs> Hazy doesn't do notes. <laughs> I, I uh, I've been oh, writing a piece for the um, Women's Oz Open dot dot com. Mm. Yeah. Um, about Jutana Gun. So I, I found that out. So there's a little. So you did it. it for someone else, and you just sort of dropped it into the <laughs> podcast. It no, wasn't. I, I did it for our website, Hazy, for uh, the tournament website. It's dedicated. Yeah. yeah. Kate, Kate I, I thought that was stunning. If she, like, if she starts hitting driver, by the way, if she starts hitting driver and it goes straight, I mean, she she could drive it on the 18th green here yeah. in the garage. Yeah. I could tear Kate's research up here and it won't. It, she won't blink because that's her inside the robes research. She won't need this for the rest of the tournament. No. The two reams of paper she's brought in here are specifically so for inside much. the robes and only for one only for one segment too. It's quite remarkable. <laughs> it's... You know, that's what she's bringing specific research in. Hey, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. You know that, Hazy. <laughs> I like. That. Do you know what? 
Minji but Lee, could she win? Yeah, she could. But I'm gonna, I just want to say something about yeah. area. She does, but at the same time, she doesn't need a driver after her year last year. This is a stat which I always think is so impressive, that without the driver in the bag, she led the tour in birdies last year. But I think not, she broke the record. Yeah, but not just by a few. Yeah. But Minji, who is another player I would certainly tout, she had 56 less birdies mm. than wow. Aria Jatanagan, which mm. is huge. You know, the golf yeah. between number one and number two when it comes to that kind of stats. And she's got that driving iron in the bag, yeah. that two iron driving iron. And she can, you know, with a bit of mm. roll, if it's dry here this week, um, you know, she can fly at 230 yards, rolls out, that's 260 straight down the middle. You're not going to be yeah. in trouble with that. It's and I will say, like most Clayton revisited courses, it's best played by looking at it in reverse. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's it's not just a pound it out there. It's mm-hmm. a, it's find a number that suits your wedge or your sandwich or your eight iron, whatever the case may and your be. Angle. Your, yeah, your angle. Yeah, your angle. It's definitely because it's very wide off the tee in a lot of instances here. But you're if you if you take it up the cheap, nasty amateur side mm. for the safety's sake. Do you know that side? Uh, that's where I live. Oh. <laughs> I live up the cheap, nasty amateur side, Kate. Uh, you you will not have a score that wins here. And we saw, as you mentioned earlier, we saw Harunamura gobble this course up when she had it on a, on a string on the Sunday last time we were at the Grange three years ago. So let's put... Okay. Blake, you know, I'll come back to this. We're going to put... We ask uh, on our, I guess, preview, for want of a better word, uh, podcast of the big tournaments, who do you think is going to win? Mm-hmm. And who's an, a roughie that you think would uh, be a chance if uh, things fell their way? My, I think, I do think that Minji Lee has a really good opportunity to win here. Uh, is she, what's she, number seven now? Seven, the, yeah. Uh, in the world rankings. Miscut last week. Yeah, she did. But I remember interviewing her at the beginning of last season and she goes, oh, my goal is to get into the top six on the um, Rolex ranking. She was 16th at the time. She did that with ease. Mm. She won four times, hasn't won in Australia. No. Um, she's very comfortable playing here. I think that she will love playing in these conditions in front of a home crowd. So Minji, that's a bit of an obvious pick. My heart, I would love to see Bronte Law. Now, she is a stocky player from England. Uh, a lot of fight about her. Uh, second year on tour. And she's from, so she's stocky and she's from Stockport. She's from Stockport what, in if she, what if she'd been from Arsenal? What would you have said? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> no, just checking that out. <laughs> what about Big Laura? What about oh, Laura Davies? Oh, LD. Um, Everybody, no matter where you're from, would she's love to see Laura. She's killing it in the senior tour. Isn't she? Unbelievable. She had those two majors last year, wasn't she? Unbelievable. The senior she Women's Open. Only won by about 10 or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, well, Kate, we could keep you all day. And Can you're I welcome stay? To, you're welcome to stay. Oh, I'm quite enjoying this. What did I've you think of you? I've got the gala function to yeah. um, MC this evening, which will Ooh. be great. Are you coming? Yes. Do you boys scrub up well? Uh, well, I would if my suit was in this state, but uh, that, that's another story. I've lost my suit. And I'm not a cocktail party sort of operator, Kate, I'm afraid to tell you. Oh, I'm more of, of bourbon in the corner of a dark bar. Yeah. A bit of blues music. When it, where are you taking me? It's the fringe this week. <laughs> yeah. We can go and do that. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, thank you so much. We'll, we'll, give, we'll give you your leave pass. We really appreciate you coming on it. And I know I speak for a lot Good of people calling. who... You know, I love listening to you call your golf, and we really appreciate having you down every year. So thanks for coming and joining us on Inside the Ropes. Was it 
too hard on your first podcast appearance? You boys made me feel very at home, very comfortable. No, thank you. And you guys do a wonderful job with this tournament. So um, I hope to have a bit more intel on all those players being lined up by their caddies next time um, you ask me as well. Hazy, we might get Kate on for one of the... Uh in tournament podcasts, we are doing daily, aren't we? We are doing daily. I was to bring that up, we but do uh, she's got a very busy schedule. I don't want to no. pin her down, but no, but I can clear my desk for you two. I'd love to be. Mm. So and thank we'll you. double your fee this time. Brilliant! <laughs> it's a big fat zero now. Isn't That's it? right. Correct. Uh, we'll be back, and we'll have to take a quick break on Inside the Ropes. Um, big thank you to Kate Burton. We'll be back with. Um, some two very special additions to our ISPS handout, Women's Australian Open Road to the Open Series. Uh, we'll talk more about the tournament, uh, what else is going on in the world of golf. But for now, Kate Burton, thank you very much. Thank you. With men and women on the same course at the same time playing for equal prize money, the ISPS Hand Vic Open is unlike any golf tournament you've seen before. And this year, there's $3 million up for grabs at 13th Beach Golf Links. Featuring defending champ Minji Lee, Paula Kramer, Brooke Henderson and Georgia Hall. Also, Jeff Ogilvie headlines the men's field with Aussie young gun Lucas Herbert. The 2019 ISPS Hand Vic Open, Thursday, February 7 to Sunday the 10th. Adults $10 per day, kids free. Tickets and more at VicOpenGolf.com. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes, Mark Hayes, along with Martin Blake. Unfortunately, we've had to let Kate Burton go. She's a very busy woman, and we were very blessed to have her here. Blakey, she's a fountain of knowledge, isn't she? Not bad, is she? And uh, what about being a two-handicapper still? Two-handicapper. handicapper. I just dream about that. Especially if you play three times a year and she can keep it two. Once you're good, you're just always good, aren't you? I always wanted to be a commentator, you know, doing what Kate does around the world, but... My handicap's nowhere that level, so, you know, she's actually, uh, to be fair, she knows exactly what she's talking about. You don't represent England no. or anything like that, so it's great. I, I really, I actually really do admire her commentary. I think it's very well informed. And uh, the comment she made about the LPGA players and their commitment to the ISPS hander uh, Vic Open is very interesting. I heard that said by other people last week as well, but... Mm. Uh, I guess you, you you can't force them to do what you think's the right thing, but you would hope that they would take that on. Do board. the right thing, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we're back at the ISPS Hander Women's Australian Open. Uh, we're very lucky to be at the Grange Golf Club in Adelaide, one of the best tournament complexes and clubs uh, anywhere in this fine land. Uh, we're we're absolutely ecstatic to be back here. I know the field is. Uh, we have had some amazing guests on our road to this tournament, Blakey. Uh, we've had the good fortune to chat to Annika Sorenstam, to Kari Webb, to Jane Crafter, and we've gone sort of next level again. I don't, I don't, that's not disparaging of the other three, I hope, but I've taken it to an, in a different direction perhaps today, Blakey. I've had a double-barrel approach to the final road to the Women's Australian Open Series, had a good chance to have a very brief chat with Lydia Coe and another one with Yanni Singh. Um, it's, they're both previous champions, as as the other women were. Uh, Lydia Coe's back here with a legitimate shot, world number 14. Before we talk to Lydia, is there anything that you sort of see in Lydia's game or the build-up that makes her sort of worthy of uh, respect in the chances to win this tournament this week? Uh, one thing that occurred to me about Lydia today, because I had a chat to her myself uh, before, she's only 21 years old. <laughs> We analyse and we scrutinise her game and she was number one and people say, might look at her and say, oh, yeah, she's not as good as she used to be. Well, she's 21, so she's still working it out and 
just looking at her, she's taken up yoga, Hazy. Is that right? She took up yoga at the end of last year, and she was saying uh, at the little press conference she did out on the first tee with the Minister for Sport, uh, Corey Wingard, today, uh, she was saying that, that it's more about mindfulness for her, just the, the mental side of just getting away from the phone mm. for an hour, getting away from the golf course, getting away from the phone and everything else, and just relaxing. So, look, she had a pretty good year last year. She won a tournament, I think it was in April, in a playoff against Minji Lee, where you, you will remember, and a lot of the listeners will remember, she hit one of the great golf short shots that you would ever see in your life, a three-wood to kick in distance uh, to win a playoff against Minji. Um, uh, she had a much better year, and she's still 14 in the world for that reason, so there's no reason why she couldn't win here. And she actually, if you remember, almost won here uh, last time it was played at the Grange, except that Haru Namura from Japan made everything mm. on the last day. She shot 65, and uh, Lydia was runner-up. So interesting to hear what she's got to say. Well, let's get straight to that. Uh, Lydia Ko, we caught up with her as a special guest on the road to the Women's Australian Open Series. Lydia Ko, welcome to Inside the Ropes. Great pleasure to have you with us here in Adelaide again. Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, yeah, no, excited to be here in Adelaide and... Uh, Hopefully, hoping for another fun week uh, at the Australian Women's Open. And you're a, a veteran of this tournament. You got any idea of how many times you played it? I'll check the stats afterwards if you haven't. Um, I would say it's close to like eight or nine, yeah. maybe. Um, because I was fortunate enough to play uh, when I was in Amber at this event, and um, yeah, a lot of good memories. Um, I've been able to kind of tour around all different parts of Australia, you know, from Canberra to Melbourne, and now here in Adelaide. So. Yeah, no, uh, it's nice to be able to play some of the great courses over here, down under. And you've come close another couple of times, but most famously, of course, you won it at Royal Melbourne in 2015. What's your recollection of that as we speak? I remember that weekend being very hot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Royal Melbourne, it was my second time playing there. It was my played for the first time when Jessica Corda won. Um, and I think they did the course a little bit differently um, from the time that Jess had won and to me and uh, you know it's it's known to, to be very tricky um, but I felt like you know I tried to play strategically um, you know try to play smart and you know I think one of the shots I remember is um, hitting it over the left trees on 18 to open myself up uh, for my second shot onto the 18th um, so the front, front left pin wasn't it yeah so um, uh, it was my caddy at that time his idea and I think it worked out being good and uh, so credits to him for that so my memory of that whole tournament is that you had a better control of your ball on the green than all your fellow competitors um, you adapted to the harder greens perhaps a little bit better was that be a fair comment yeah, um, you know, it's, it was pretty firm because of the uh, hot weather. Um, you know, it just bakes it out a little bit. I don't know how I managed. Um, <laughs> I know that at, at some points I felt like I might not be the one winning. Um, but I think there was a suspension or something during the middle of the final round or something. Yeah. And I think coming back from that, I started playing, you know, more solid uh, in the rest of my holes. So... Yeah, um, thank God for that weather, <laughs> that bad weather in the middle. Um, but no, I, I think 
at, for some pin positions, I didn't necessarily go for the pin, and that way I still had like a 30 footer for Brady, and you know, not trying to make myself, you know, crazy up and downs from just off the green. And I think that's the thing about these golf courses in Australia, and you know, even you know here in Adelaide when it can get really firm, is you know, this the simple chip shots uh, that are simple anywhere else in the world. It's not so simple here, so you just have to play smart and. Sometimes just penalizing yourself with a bogey is not a penalty. So, you know, you just got to move on. And, you know, um, the girls are playing great. So I'm sure the level of golf uh, is going to be great this week. So I'm going to try and be a part of that. Most of our audience is from Australia, naturally. Um, Not many people would know that you actually began your golf career in Australia. Yeah, um, I think the first ever shot I've hit uh, in golf uh, was in Wollongong uh, near Sydney and uh, my aunt was there at the time and um, she'd keep playing golf and I was like man we came to visit her and she's playing golf and I'm like what is this thing um, and she we went out with her one day and she said have a hit and I apparently made contact with the ball and she thought that was pretty cool so that was kind of the start of my golfing journey um, and yeah you know we took it back and I started playing a little bit more in Korea and then I ended up going to New Zealand so um, who knows uh, I think I might have to thank Australia for that start. <laughs> uh, we're always through it I know you've got a busy schedule here so we really appreciate your time we really um, it's your second we like to think of it as your second home. maybe it's your third <laughs> these days but great to have you back in Australia and we wish you really well this week in Adelaide. Thank you thanks for having me and uh, I'm looking forward to a fun week. It is amazing to think, Blakey, uh, you know, that Lydia, who's had one of the great already golfing careers. It's a Hall of Fame career. It is, oh, it's well past a Hall of Fame yeah. career already when, it, when that, the time comes for that. Uh, that her golf started in Wollongong. Um, it's quite remarkable that she, I mean, she didn't care for golf as a young girl. Like, really, I'm talking really tiny when she had her first club put in her hands by her auntie. Uh, but as soon as she hit it and flushed it, and they all said, hmm, there's something going on here. And by the time they went back to Korea as a family, then came out and lived in New Zealand, um, you know, the rest the rest is history. But um, she's been one of the great supporters uh, of Australian golf. She's never always here. Never, ever fails to come back to the Women's Australian Open. She's uh, got a name on the amateur titles around the country. And uh, as you said, I think I, I do need to do my research, and I haven't done it. I apologise, everyone. But I think this is her ninth might be her eighth but i think it's her ninth women's australian open on the bounce 21 yeah. years of age from another country if you come out and watch her hazy i'm really keen to get people who live in the adelaide region to come out and watch this week come and watch area jatanagan for a start for the reasons that we spoke about earlier but if you go and watch lydia co which i've watched her a million times uh the precision of her iron play i mean there's no overpowering no. uh power game there it's the precision of her iron play it's just about not when she's playing well knocking the flags out uh, you'll it's know unbelievable and she hits a very straight ball yep as well if you watch the flight and uh you know just when she's on she just knocks the pins out and you'll know early because she'll she'll get on a roll it's just deadly well another regular visitor uh she didn't play when we were last at the Grange in 2016, but she's been a household name around Australian golf for a long time. One of only three women to be the uh, to have the mantle as a two-time or more winner of the ISPS Handle Women's Australian Open. There's five times for Kari Webb, twice for Laura Davies, 
and twice for the next guest, Yanni Singh, who I caught just playing the second hole today out on the Grange. Oh, joined by a very special guest on Inside the Ropes now, Yanni Singh, one of only three women to ever win the Women's Australian Open title more than once. That's got to have a good <laughs> ring to it. Yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> Do you think you can make it three times this, this time around? Yeah, I wish. You know, I think Australia is my lucky place and I'm always very happy to be back here and then play at the Grange. It's a beautiful golf course, great condition and I, this is the course I, I like it. It's very natural and it just you play with, with your imagination and hopefully the weather will get scared this week and then hopefully I'll have a good score too. I'm sure you will. What are your memories of 2010, 2011 when you just ripped Commonwealth apart? Uh, I feel like I just you know, enjoy a lot. You know, I enjoyed every shot I'm hitting. I really enjoy the crowd, the atmosphere. You know, it's a lot of support, you know, even I'm from Taiwan, but they still give me a lot of support and the people here are really, really nice. So it makes me feel very relaxed. Yep. So I don't feel much pressure i just you know, i can just enjoy you know play the one shot at a time is it nice to be recognized like that in a, in a different country i mean this is obviously it's not your home but does it feel like a second home oh uh, yeah you know i, I came to history over 10 times yeah. so it, it, it does feel like back to the place that I, i'm very familiar with yeah. so i come back every time for great coffee for great brunch you know this is all <laughs> i'm looking for playing the great golf course you know this is course the same bell this kind of golf course is what i love so i'm always very excited to be here my last question i know you're out here on course at the moment playing you look like you're really striping it beautifully yeah I, i'm playing great you know i've been working with chris mason over a year now and i i really enjoy to working with him and i think he's the one to come back to my game i feel like i was playing better than than before much better but you know it's all about mental so now i need to get my mental back and get confidence you know you know believe in myself and i think that's what i need to work on it now well we always love to have you back in australia thanks for talking to us on inside the ropes thank you thanks for <laughs> blakey when i was watching yanni play i love yanni Singh. i've got to put that on the record the way she destroyed commonwealth um as we talked about there um back it's hard to believe it was 2010 and 2011 but seven shots yeah, the second win just destroyed Utterly the field dominant. and as world number one at the time was just next level uh, her game petered off a little bit and she's, she looks physically different. She looks like a woman now, not a young girl. That's fine. Today, when I first saw her, she was standing on the first tee, and she pegged it up, and the line, and it was really windy. And the line for her, as picked out by the caddy, was a TV tower where the, where the first hole turns to the right. It was 299 yards. And her tee shot finished just in the rough, seven yards short of the tower. So yeah. 292. First yeah, think... tee shot of the day, windy morning. I mean, her power is still there. and she She's ta- number one driving distance on the LPGA last year. There you go. Oh, more stats from you. Yeah. you are, This is extraordinary from you. Yeah. <laughs> but So, she, yeah, her game is a power game as opposed it's a... to, say, Lydia, you know, just precision. But Yanni just smacks it out there, I guess. You know, the issue for her has probably been around short game. It has. And she told me that she'd been working hard and more happily 
than she had previously. So I, I think she's got expectations that I'm not. I'm not sure she's convinced that she'll ever get back to the very pinnacle of the game. But I would expect to see her name around the pointy end of leaderboards a lot more in 2019. Well, at the time, I was fortunate enough to cover those two wins at Commonwealth, and you know we were wondering how anyone would ever win another tournament. Correct. I mean, she was so good. Uh, so you know, it just goes to show that that the the wheel turns and everyone gets better. Everyone else gets better all the time. So if you do hit a bit of a lull, uh, it becomes difficult. And it it has been difficult for her, but she's hanging in there and she's still trying. All right, it's time before, while we're still talking about the Women's Australian Open, uh, we've all talked about how good a nick the Grange is in and we've heard Kate's tips on the other side of the first break. It's time for you to embarrass yourself and for me to do likewise. We couldn't get one of our four players in the two tournaments... (laughs) Uh, bold tips and roughies through to the final round last uh, last week at the ISPS Hand of Vic Open. Can we? Do you want to back up and have another crack? I am going to have a, a crack at Haru Namura. Now I said to you last week at the at the uh, Vic Open, I don't want to tip any Australians <laughs> because I'll just drag them down like you, you know they'll be shot. Uh, so I'm going with Haru Namura from mm-hmm. Japan. Reason being, she won here. Uh, the last time it was played here, four years ago. And apart from that, she bobbed up a bit last week at the Vic Open uh, on not much prep, the same as everyone else. But I thought she did enough, I reckon, with another week. Uh, I really like her as a player. She's an incredible player. And I, th- I reckon I'm going to go with Haru Namura. My outsider, how about this? Laura Davies. No. Laura Davies. She, really? She's already won two, hasn't she? She's a two-time Australian Open winner. Well, she plays so well still on the senior tour. She still smashes at miles. If she has a good week with the putter, you just never know with Laura Davies, who I've always called Laura Davies, except John Huggin, our podcasting colleague, told me today something I'd never heard before, that it's actually Laura Davis. Oh, as in the Welsh pronunciation. Davis? Yeah. Well, that makes that makes 99.9% of golf commentators. I don't think anyone calls her that. Yeah. But, but that's apparently the correct pronunciation. This is not an anti A bit thing. like Murali Duran being called Murali Duran instead of Muralitharan. Yeah. Yeah, Murali Duran. Wow. Okay. This Laura quite... Davis. Well, I, She's I my, my roughie. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Well, I see no reason, given I anchored Minji Lee last week. You to, did. To, you did. Missed I don't need to, I don't Thank think... you, Hazy. <laughs> I put the anchor so far into Minji Lee that it would be hard for me to get it out and put it on someone else. So I'm going to back up and go with Minji. I think that uh, she's been prominent without being uh, a realistic chance a couple of times in this tournament. And I think uh, she's very keen to make amends for her putting last week. I don't think the rest of her game was that far away. Uh, the world number seven now. Uh, it's To me, it's time we got another Australian name back on the Patricia Bridges Bowl. So I'm going to, I'm going to put the kiss of death on Minji Lee. My outsider is an outsider for now, but I'm that confident about my outsider, Blakey, that she will be a household name at the end of this season on her debut as an LPGA Tour player. I haven't done a lot of research, as we all know, but Jung-Un Lee 6 yes. is the beast in the room by the end of this year. She is the twice-scoring leader and the KLPGA which, tour. Which is like a the, second major tour. It, it gets no airplay tour. whatsoever, but the Korean LPGA tour is arguably as strong as the LPGA tour. Not quite, maybe, but it's very close. She is the first person... Here's my research, Blakey. She's the first person in the history of the KLPGA tour 
to record scoring averages of less than 70 in two years. Oh, wow. Back to back. This girl has won. She's been on that tour for three years. She's won just about everything. She was Rookie of the Year in 2016. She's been Player of the Year in 2017. Scoring leader in both the last two years. And is played, I think, I want to say, oh, now my research is blowing up and I haven't got it written down. But she's played probably 10 times, roughly, on the LPGA Tour as a non-member. This is her first start as a member. She went to Q School, dominated, came through, got her card. She's here, all this guns blazing. This would be the Jin Young Co method from last year. Correct. Who was a dominant KLPJ player. Correct. Um, and she came here, won here, finished 10th in the world, mm. won the LPGA Tour Rookie of the Year award. Uh, I think the moral down. of the story is if you dominate the Korean Tour, you're really good. Correct. And Jung Un Lee, six. She's gone with the six. There's that many Can you leads. talk us through the six in the, in the name? Um, I haven't had a chance to speak to her directly yet, but... Mm. I understand that she's seen how many Lees there are and she wanted to distinguish herself. So, Lee. Well, I'm just looking at the, the list here that's in front of us. One, two, three, four, five. There's six Lees in the... Well, that's not the final field, is it? But that's the entry list, maybe. Minji Lee, Miriam Lee. Yeah, this is yeah. this is the real deal. Yeah, so six. Alison Lee, Jacqueline Lee, Mi Hang Lee, Minji Lee, Miriam Lee, and Jung, Lee. Jung Hun Lee, six. Yeah. And I've picked two Lees, my roughy and my favourite. Okay. So Fair it's a lee-off for me. Okay, yep. <laughs> Let's see how we go, Hazy. Well, who knows? I mean, we've yeah. slaughtered so many people in our uh, predictions so far. I, I apologise to both Jung-un and, of course, Minji in advance. Before we go to a break and talk about other things, just tell me one quick thing about Kari Webb playing uh, today, and we're recording this on Tuesday with Doey Choi and Madison Hinson-Tolshard, two of the very best female Australian amateurs. I think that's fantastic. Playing practice round, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're recording a, a video um, to honour Kari Webb, which will come out at some point this week uh, here from Adelaide. Uh, we went out to record um, a couple of interviews with all the different Australian players, and we went out and caught up with uh, Madison Hinson-Tolchard, the Australian junior champion, and Doey Choi, the, uh, arguably the... Well, alongside Grace Kim, probably the dominant player on the domestic series last year. I'm probably doing a disservice to Becky Kay and maybe Steph Bunky, but she was right up there in that list. Uh, her birthday today on Tuesday, uh, Doey Choi, her 19th birthday, and her best present in the history of mankind for her was to go out and play a practice round with Kari Webb, the legend. And every tournament, I understand, and we see it in Australia, but it's not restricted to Australia. Kari goes out and plays with her best rising talent that she can find, particularly from Australia. And just to give her that, that sort of um, and, and just experience. Be, just to be clear, it's not something that Kari is forced or no. asked to do. She, she loves doing it. She volunteers her time. Um, she, she makes the approach. The, you know, we all know about the story with Tiger Woods and Lucas Herbert at the Open last year. That was Lucas Herbert, you know, drilling in to make that happen. The reverse is true here. Kari will, you know, seek out the young girls, the young Australian girls, give them that experience. I can tell you this video that we produced today with Justin Falkner is a massive eye-opener to the impact that Kari Webb has had on the females of Australia in terms of the elite players. I'm sure it extends right down to grassroots level. We've got some big news to announce uh, later in the week here from the Grange. Um... To me, Kari Webb, obviously a champion on the course. In my opinion, the best Australian golfer of all time. Um, 
I, I spoke to Doey before, Hazy. I haven't seen the video, obviously, but I, I asked her what it was like, and the first thing she said was, wow, Carrie played pretty well. Because <laughs> she did play well for three days uh, down at Vic Open, didn't he? She, she, she's actually got a bit of form happening. Oh, her 65 on the second round down there, was its course record on the beach was, was absolutely phenomenal. So, look, the good stuff's good. Um, if she can keep the rust away and minimise the bad stuff, she'll be here again. She she made a bit of a dash at the start of this tournament when we were at the Grange in 2016, late, early in the final round, and oh, push, yes. pushed up that. until Haru Nomura sort of went nuts and ran away. But Had uh, the crowd going that day. Oh, she really had the crowd going. And if she can get to that position here at the Grange, the Adelaide crowd on Sunday will go nuts. Um, as I was going to say, one of, if not the greatest Australian players of all time, brilliant on course, but what she's doing off the course is next level. Uh, goes, as you rightly point out, largely unnoticed. Kudos. Hats off to Kari Webb. She's a legend in all facets of the sport. We'll take a quick break and come back and wrap up everything else in the world of golf on the other side of this. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian Golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Martin Blake alongside Mark Hayes here at The Grange. We're coming to you live from Adelaide and head of the ISPS Hander Women's Australian Open. Blakey, before we push on and cover the rest of the world of golf, uh, we just had a visitor in the ad break there. Uh, Trevor Hurden popped his head in, the tournament director. You said something about his head, but I can't really mention that on <laughs> air. Um, he mentioned a, a, a really good player um, who's who's in the field, at the uh, received an invitation. Um, I'm not sure what your uh, knowledge of Suzuka Yamaguchi is from Japan. Just a gun amateur from the college scene. Or was a gun amateur in the college scene, one of the best in the world. Very much so. And mm. she, I think, came and played well in the Australian amateur um, and was caught a lot of eyes. She's mm. turned pro. She's on the LPGA Tour this year. Um, she's got to start here on an invite. She's from Sagam Ehara in Japan. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, rising stars. There are a handful of Japanese players here who, just like every time they come to Australia these days, seem to uh, contend. Japan so, becoming a power in golf. It really is. It really is, and if it's not now, it will be very soon. So keep an eye out for another name there, Suzuki Yamaguchi. Blakey, we, as mentioned earlier, we've come from 13th Beach, Bowen Heads, down in the beautiful Ballerine Peninsula in Victoria. The 2019 ISPS Hander Vic Open was run and won last week. Um, There's been a lot said about the format, probably not the time for us to go into that at the moment, but... um, the actual playing of the tournament was was a pretty spectacular finish, particularly from David Law, who was never ever in front. It's like you in your in your school athletics career, I reckon you were never in Just front until the final stride. The last, last stride. Well, the shot that he hit uh, on the 18th hole that I, I wrote in my wrap up of that tournament that that 18th hole at 13th Beach, which is not really the 18th hole on the on the course generally, but it's the tournament rotor. It's the 18th hole. Works around the sort of swamp land. Shortish par five, which means that, you know, the players can get there in two uh, with a really good shot, but it plays into the prevailing wind. The shot that he hit for 195 metres when he knew that he needed to make eagle hazy uh, because Wade Ormsby was behind him, two groups behind him, but really had it, probably seemed to have it under control. Very much. 
And to, for, for David Law to, to step up there and hit, hit a rescue club to, to eight feet and then roll the putt in, I mean, you and I both heard the roar around, around the the, uh, the course that day. It was, it was quite a moment. And uh, hats off to, to him to be able to do that. And, of course, he was assisted by the fact that Wade Ormsby double bogeyed the 17th hole, par three, smothered his tee shot. I was out there uh, on the hole thinking that he that he had it won. He just needed to really par in or even make, you know, he's coming, he's got a par five to finish. So he would have felt that he, you know, he was, he looked as calm as you like and then he smothered his shot over the back. Uh, it was a bogey position where he was probably. It was a very, very difficult up and down because of the contours of the green and the, the angle that he had to play from, but his chip didn't make the green. Uh, and then the second chip was a poor chip as well. So two putts from there ends up with a five. So he walks to the 18th tee. Law has made the eagle. So all of a sudden he has to make an eagle himself or be to even force a playoff. Uh, that's how quick it was. It was just a, it was just a turnaround, incredible turnaround. So you're often hearing golf commentary, oh, this could be a two-shot turnaround here or this could be a three-shot swing or that anything like that. A four-shot swing. In a heartbeat, wasn't it? It was all around the same time. So uh, where was, and you, you were down there with Ormsby, when, where was he when he heard the roar? When, when uh, Ormsby heard it? I, I, d- I don't know exactly. Uh, I, d- I didn't make a mental note of it, but it was somewhere around while he was making the mess of the, of the 17th. So. so it was after his tee shot, but before his second? I, I believe so. Because yeah. that's... Like, as Blakey mentions there, we uh, don't often hear roars that reverberate around golf courses, yeah. and especially around links courses where they don't the, the noise literally doesn't trap itself in the trees and, and spread around. If you're at Augusta, for example, and there's a roar down on the 16th, the famous par 3, you can hear that up at the clubhouse, and the noise just rises up the valley. There's no such uh, luxury for the noise there, but that was... No, I'm not saying it was a major championship roar. No, I'm not that bold. But that was a legitimately loud roar when yeah. David Law can that eagle, especially for a non-Australian player. Yeah, and uh, a terrific guy comes out of uh, Aberdeen in in Scotland. He's just he's taken five years of playing on the Challenge Tour in Europe to try and get on the main tour. All of a sudden, he's got a win and he can play for another year and a half without even having to to worry about it. He can pick and choose his schedule. So so good luck to him. And and Wade Ormsby was good afterwards. You know he he will know that he he let that one go, mm. uh, but. You know, all you can really do in that situation is is kind of uh, take the positives that you played well over the week. You, you made one mistake, really, mm. uh, which was the tee shot on 17. Yes, there were two poor chips after that, but his, his head was off a bit. I, I was standing within, I reckon I was two metres away from him when he hit the first chip, which was a, a lobby that he tried to throw up onto the green and let it, let it feed down to the cup. He played really quickly. Yeah. I, I, I reckon he'll go back and watch a tape of that and he'll see that he... He played that really quickly. He didn't. He didn't talk much to his caddy about what the options were. He just said, "I'm going to land it up, up on top." It, to me, he played really quickly for for such a a massive shot in the thing. And we all know at any level of golf, it's very easy when you get under some pressure like that. And you and I don't even know what what sort of pressure he was under there. When you got uh, a, when you got a bogey in to win the Golf Riders Championship, Blakey. Oh yeah. Well, I couldn't even do that <laughs> last year. So. I just think it highlights the impact of that roar because it really, you know, plays on his mind. He was leading with Brad Kennedy for most of the afternoon, but commiserations to Wade Ormsby, Brad Kennedy, of course, uh, and also I, I want to single out um, Nick Flanagan. Great to see three guys we haven't seen a lot of uh, really put their hand up uh, when they get the chance on the domestic tour. 
Fantastic. And well done. I know you didn't get the, the big prize, but, um, you know, handy checks nonetheless and lessons learnt and I hopefully, you know, lives in the minds of Australian golf fans when they're considering who to follow around the world. Uh, On the Very w- international uh, winners this yeah, year. It, they, it was, and uh, from France... Uh, Celine Boudier, who uh, I noticed I said France there, Blakey. I just, I went a, you were running with Fra- France. France on uh, ABC. Uh, now during in Adelaide, the you just, you've gone back to your normal self. <laughs> France. Um, so Celine Boutier, we, and we wrapped it up a little bit on Sunday in the closing edition from Victoria, uh, from the Vic Open. We won't go too far into it, but Celine Boutier sort of had the uh, opposite. She she coasted in the last three or four holes, not saying she didn't play under pressure. She made a magnificent birdie putt with Suo challenging on the 15th uh, from probably uh, 9 metres, 10 metres. Just an unbelievable birdie putt and then made an equally stellar, although shorter, par putt on the 17th. Really coasted up the last hole. Well, that's all she had to do, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. She shot 72 on the day because Kim Kaufman, who led by two going the last day, had a a pretty tough day. Shot, I think, 76 or 77, so maybe even 78. So... Uh, you know, Boutier just did what she had to do to win. It wasn't especially spectacular, but it's her first LPGA win. Again, it gets her those exemptions. Yeah. Uh, and well done to her. And I happened to jump in the car here in Adelaide on Monday morning to come out to the course, having uh, flown over from 13th and Melbourne. And uh, who gets in the car with me but Celine Boutier, who's, who had a uh, something like 5.30 wake up the morning after she won her first LPGA event. At 6.30, she got picked up, and she was at the at the course here in Adelaide uh, by about 1 o'clock on Monday afternoon, and that is the life of a professional golfer. She, she'd called her parents in Paris, talked to them. They hadn't even watched it because I don't think they have cable TV. Uh, her sister, she spoke to her sister who did watch it uh, at some ungodly hour in Paris, and then she was down there, and I said, no chance of a day off. She said, no days off. No days off. Yeah. I was thrilled to see uh, the the Jatanagarn sisters from Thailand who uh, didn't get the chance to play in uh, in the Vic Open, but they obviously had been watching from uh, either afar or when they arrived in Australia, and they knew very much that Celine Boudier had won her first time on the LPGA Tour. They came up and embraced her. I'm sure she had other similar there were experiences. A lot of yeah. yeah, as she walked around the range here at uh, at the Grange, great to see the camaraderie among the women. Uh, and when you see the world number one and her sister, the world number 19, maybe, uh, roll up and give you the love, it was pretty moving. I, I was pretty impressed. And I, know, I know Celine Boutier, it meant a lot to her. So uh, anyway, let's move away from the Vic Open. The men's, we obviously know that the women's tour has come here to Adelaide. The men's packed up and has gone to Perth, to the beautiful Lake Karanup. Uh, the World Super Six Perth, Blakey, another European tour co-sanctioned event. Should be another big week on the PGA Tour of Australasia. Absolutely, Hazy. I mean, that what we talk about what magnificent tracks we're at this week in Adelaide, but Lake Karanup, what a track that is. Yeah, you we're know, blessed, it, aren't we? It's an absolutely magnificent tournament venue and just a gorgeous golf course. Very Australian, I find it very Australian style course, you know, just with the trees and everything, and I, I love the place. And uh, great to see Minwoo Lee coming back to play. Yeah, it was Hazy, fantastic. After, after his big finish in. Saudi Arabia, wasn't it, uh, two weeks ago where he finished fourth in just his second tournament start as a professional golfer. Minwoo Lee will come back. He's going to have a lot of crowd support there, being a Perth boy. And I, I in this podcast, this corresponding podcast last week, I said, I said it would have been good in my eyes if he'd come and sort of tried to do his best in, uh, in terms of getting, landing a European card. Yeah. 
Um, his result in Panama, which he didn't make the cut, he finished plus six. It was his first start in 2019 uh, on the web.com tour where he has limited status. He needed to do something special to sort of get up the re-rank. Uh, couldn't manage that, and he's decided to come home to Perth, which I think, I mean, despite all the, the air miles he's logging, is a fantastic move. I think he was a quarter-finalist there last year as an amateur. He knows it like the back of his hand. Uh, he's playing with a bit of freedom. Look out for him. Good on you, Min Woo, for coming home uh, and um, playing, you know, what would that be? Probably his one, two, his fourth professional tournament on home soil. I don't think that could be any better for him. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a bullet next to his name. He's We've been watching him for a long time, haven't we? I mean, he's a, he's a very powerful player. He's got a lot of X factor uh, to his game. He won the US Junior Championship. Obviously, he's Minji Lee's younger brother. He's a terrific young guy. I, I, I just... I'm very excited about how that guy, young guy, is going to go. He's he's part of, as Andy Ma says, the golden era because he's got, you know, there's so much upside to Min Woo Lee and I hope he goes well this week. I mean, the Super 6 concept is a bit, uh, you know, it can be a bit hit or miss, can't it, in terms of, you know, <laughs> one, one sort of two or three bad moments and you're, and you're gone. Yeah. But, uh, you know. You never know. He played quite well in that last year, didn't he? Yeah, quarter-finalist he was, yeah. 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 So, speaking of Min Woo, who was, uh, as we said, in Panama a minute ago, let's wrap up what's happening around the world. Uh, the Panama uh, Open on the web.com tour, the Panama Championship, happened this week, and we didn't get a winner, but we had some really strong performances from other Australians. Cameron Percy's a name I want to mention to you, Blake. He tied for fifth at three under, quite a hard course. In his three starts this year, he's made all three cuts, and this was his best. Uh, he's already got a T11 in the Bahamas, so uh, great to see him go uh, well again, the Victorian, the veteran Victorian. And he yep. shared at T5 there, he shared that position with Rian Gibson, who was his third consecutive top 20 performance and his second top 10 in a row. And he's up five spots on the rankings list. He's going beautifully, Rian, isn't he? Uh, look, he, he's always thereabouts, Ryan, and he's done this before where he's gone back to the to the web.com, has he not, and then played his way onto he the has. main tour. So he knows what it's all about. He's now ranked 13, I think, uh, in that top 25. So the 25 go through, is that right? So uh, t- yeah. That's right, 25 yeah. earned their cards, and he's come from 18 to 13. So it's a long way to go, but, you know, he, he's, he's started pretty well. Another big check for Brett Coletta, the young Victorian, Tied 12th at one under, two behind his uh, compatriots. He's made T11 and T12 this time in his past two starts on the web.com tour. And Blakey, he's on the rise too. Uh, are we seeing a turning point there for Coletta? Because the, the raps on him were huge when he came out of his amateur career. Went off to play in Canada, Mackenzie Tour. Didn't really do that much. Did he have injury problems? Yeah, uh, he, he just, or just, didn't, just didn't settle for a little impact. while. But yeah, he, he, yeah. You know, he got it together late. And he was he was pretty impressive in 2018 late, um, but we're seeing a whole different Brett Coletta here. The last the first couple of starts in his Web.com tour, really good um, signs, career, up it? to number 27 in the in the in the rankings, and really starting to feel his way. I think that's pretty impressive. Other guys to make the cut there from Australia in Panama, Brett Drewitt finished tied for 36th, uh, and we had Jamie Arnold make, missed the cut, as did Matthew Goggin, and we mentioned Minwoo Lee earlier on. Blakey, the big result overseas was delayed until um, a, an extra day's finish at uh, Pebble Beach on the Monterey Peninsula in California. Um, what did you make of a 48-year-old winning on the PGA it, Tour? It's pretty impressive, isn't it? It, it? it is. Say what you like about Phil. 
and we have, and I have in particular, I won't throw you under the bus. But to knock over a field age 48 is amazing. So does that put him in the frame for, you know, a US Open? I mean, he's still desperate to win his first US Open. I think he's been second maybe six times. Well, I mean, uh, the field's going to be stronger. The course is going to be set up tougher. But it's at the same venue. He's only, we're only, uh, that is June, the US Open at Pebble Beach, at that very Pebble Beach that he's just conquered. Yeah. Well, that's, that's 44 to US Tour wins for yeah. Phil Mickelson. It, it's an astonishing career. I mean, I, I, you have to wonder what, what, it would have, what Phil Mickelson's career would have been had he not had Tiger Woods emerge at the same time because he's lived in his shadow to some extent. I know he's had a great career in his own right, but how good would it be if Tiger hadn't been there? It, well, who knows? He might have been one of the all-time greats if he's not already. Yeah, oh, he uh, definitely is. So of the Australians who pegged it up um, at, the, at the three courses around the Monterey Peninsula there, uh, of course, Jason Day. Had another superb yeah. swing. Does, does well in California, doesn't he? Jason Day's had two top f- uh, top fives already this season. So he had one late in the calendar year last year and then another one here now. I, I actually think he's he's starting to show a bit, uh, Jason Day, again. He's, he's, he's playing a bit better for sure. Uh, he's up to number song. 17 in the FedEx Cup standings. Um, another, There were some really solid performances, to be honest. Matt Jones did really well. Faded away late, but he finished tied 53rd. Um, Curtis Luck was impressive. Terrific. Um, really starting to you know, feel a lot uh, more comfortable out on the big tour. $46,000 US jumped in. It was his second consecutive made cut after he missed his first three. So that's impressive for him up to, uh, not that 186 in the FedEx Cup is going to get you too much, but he's now trending in the right direction. So I think that's uh, pretty impressive. Cam Davis, another nice little check. Tied 59th, his third consecutive cut. Um was impressive. I know that we had high hopes uh, at the start of the tournament for Ryan Ruffles. Uh, we haven't heard much of him lately, but he got another invitation to play up there, but he missed the cut by a shot at one under par. That was Tell unfortunate. Tell me what you think about Ruffles playing in that event uh, on, an, on a sponsor's invitation. I, I spoke to someone who I won't name. Uh, you know, let's say that he was, uh, you know, in the coaching sort of high performance area down at the Vic Open there and he was disappointed that Ruffles was playing in that event because he said he should be playing in the Vic Open he should be playing in the Queensland Open it was just a view, it wasn't a personal criticism it was just why would he play that event uh, when he should be playing in a you know, a, yeah, when he's, when he's got he hasn't got the capacity to compete in that event, I mean he missed the cut third round uh, at this stage. Well, he was close. He only missed the cut by one. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was... Um, I just thought it was an interesting uh, observation that, that yeah. this person thought that, yeah. Uh, I'm of the opinion that our pros generally chase after the US big bucks and glamour too early. Um, I'm mm. not. That's not specific, and uh, Ryan Ruffles isn't alone in that category. Um the lure of that is just immense, so I don't yeah, blame he's, anyone he's for doing it. He's offered a sponsor's it. invite to play at Pebble Beach in a PGA Tour event, so the it's a tough one to knock it's back. It's hard to say no. Yeah. But I, I, do, I get that. But I do think it, he and others would be well served to get the basis of an PGA Tour of, of Australia, Australasia card uh, as a basis and do do the hard yards around some of the courses and tournaments that we have domestically and in New Zealand. Um, that's generally my position on that. I think that Ryan clearly is, you know, not too far away from producing some good golf. But we, we need to get him on the program soon because, yeah. uh, you know, he 
he's had injuries, a bad shoulder injury, and uh, you know people probably start to wonder where he is. But that's that's where he's been. He's, had a, he's always he's happy had to a, come and talk to inside the ropes. So yeah, no, he's a beauty. He is a beauty. And one last uh, result of note: I, we don't really mention this, but I'm going to get this bloke on the uh, podcast very soon too, Blakey. Um, Dave McKenzie. Yeah, he's about. I think he's. He might be 51 now. But he's on the Champions Tour, and they played in Naples, Florida. Uh, he finished tied 30th and banked $12,000, basically, US, so whatever that is, fifteen, sixteen thousand 16000 Australian dollars. He, he's just getting better and better. He shot three improving rounds as he went through on his season debut. I know he absolutely loves playing on the, championship, on the Champions Tour over there. Yeah. He's got a story to tell that's unbelievable. I'm going to get him on the podcast okay. soon. I've played in a pro-am with Dave many years ago. And he's a fantastic guy, and he'd be a guy that I would observe. He plays as well now as he ever did, really. Agreed, agreed, absolutely agreed. Well, we could talk, as we probably have for ages, about this, Blakey, but we are delighted to be in Adelaide, as we mentioned, for the ISPS Handout Women's Australian Open. It's the big one around the country this week. Uh, Shout-out to those in Perth for the World Super 6, of course, but for the women, this is the highlight event of the Australian calendar, and we cannot be more excited to be here. We couldn't be more excited to be here in the beautiful beautiful city of churches. Blakey, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Hazy. Uh, that has been episode number 85 of Inside the Ropes, and every night of the tournament this week, Thursday through Sunday, we're going to cobble together a little 15 to 20-minute episode to wrap up the day's play. We'll have a host of cast of thousands come through the uh, the microphone's here, and we'll bring that to you live from the Grange Golf Club. Until then, it's Mark Hayes bidding you farewell from Inside the Ropes.